So a couple of weeks ago, I started this, this thing with my kids in the car where I turn on music that was popular when I was their age. Sarah, my oldest, um, is going to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And so I have this whole genre of 90s music that I can uh, turn on and share with her. And then one day last week, um, I, was, uh, I turned on the band Hanson. Any of you remember Hanson, right? What, what is that one-hit wonder kind of song that they had? You, anybody? Mbop, that's right. I thought it was going to be awesome. Like, I, I turned it on. I was like, I remember giving this, and I didn't even give the whole CD. You know, I just got the single, and I gave it to the girl in sixth grade that I really liked. And, um, and Sarah listened for a moment, and she turned to me, and I thought she was going to be like, yeah, I really like this. But she said, that sounds old. <laughs> and it's funny. Like, everything comes full circle. You know, uh, I remember riding in my dad's truck with him, and he would just blare Blues Brothers and CCR and, and James Taylor, and I was like, oh, gosh, it sounds so old. And now I love that music. But um, it's, it's just funny to me how things can sound uh, so different for each of us. Um, I, I think our life experiences and the culture that we live in and the unique way that, that each of us are made really it means that we're tuned to hear things differently, tuned to hear things a certain way. And so I find it interesting that Jesus makes this sort of blanket statement that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. And to be quite honest with you, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with it for a long time. Is Jesus being fatalistic? Is, is he saying here that there's a sort of familiarity in the tone and, and the pitch and the timbre of his voice so that if I'm a true follower of Jesus, then it'll just be like hearing the voice of someone familiar to me? Or, or, or maybe Jesus is kind of metaphorically saying that some are his sheep and some aren't. And that seems pretty likely since in the context of him saying this, he's saying it to these, this, really it's an angry mob of Jews, these compassionless, you know, power-abusing, hypocritical, dangerous religious leaders who later in this passage actually pick up stones to kill Jesus. And he's saying, they're not in the fold. They're not of his sheep. Or is it something else? So we're coming off of what was a really big week last week, celebratory week. We uh, we confirmed and received and welcomed in 20 plus people into the life of our church, um, in a sense, into the family home. And, and I just want to make a, a maybe kind of a depressing note about the journey from here is that that was great, but difficult times await us all. And, uh, and I don't say that, you know, to be Debbie Downer, I just say that because that's the reality of the world that we live in. And this faith in, in Christ and being a part of the church doesn't m- mean that we're exempt from that. Uh, many people right now, it seems, many in our own church are in the midst of some really difficult days, some of them the most difficult that they've, I, I would say, that they've ever faced in their life. And, and none of us are immune to that. We don't, we don't pray those days away. We don't um, do enough good works to keep them away. And then... And, they come to us all the same. And so in the midst of that pain, the danger is is that we would slip into isolation and disorientation. 
No one else uh, can understand, right? No one else is experiencing this. No, there's no one who knows how hard this really is, isolation. And in the disorientation, we lose perspective and we lose sight of the, of the beautiful things that are really around us, that still exist around us. And Jesus knew that those things would be real threats to us, this isolation and disorientation. He, he knew it because he looked them squarely in the face. He felt betrayal from Judas. Remember the time that he, he took three friends to pray with him in the garden? And then just this agonizing evening of prayer, what did his friends do? They fell asleep on him. Isolation. He hung on the cross, innocent, blameless, and yet crushed. He knew, and he knows. He knows what you're going through. But when he rose from the grave, he, he came to his disciples, and, and his word to them wasn't, oh, uh, you know, none of this matters anymore. I took care of it all. It's all going to be good from here. See, everything worked out. Now, what did he say? He actually, actually if, you, if we move to the, to the very end of John's gospel, the things that he said to Peter and to John in his resurrected state, he said, follow me. The prophet Isaiah said that we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turning our own way. And so Jesus, ever the shepherd, tells us, follow me, follow him, because he knows that like sheep, we so easily go astray, isolation, disorientation, alone and lost. The full power of death is like a faint mist in our world that's dissipating, right? But it still hangs in the air of this world. We have to acknowledge that. But it will one day be seen no more. And so we look back to the things of Jesus. We look back to these words of Jesus and, and the things that he, he did. And we take stock of all that he said and all that he did. And then we make the choice day after day after day to follow him. That's what discipleship is. And that's how we learn to hear the shepherd's voice. That's what it means to be a part of the church. You know, and I, I know that all of y'all know this, but it, it isn't always supposed to be a happy, clappy space where we come and we pretend like everything's okay, where we don't have any problems that are following us in here, but we bring it all in here to the good shepherd. We come to realign. We come to, to refocus, to remember, to take hold of one another, and sometimes through tears and sometimes through clenched fist and gritted teeth, we say, remind me of what the shepherd's voice sounds like, because I forgot. Our task in this world is, is not to separate from the world or from one another or to separate evil from good or to judge what is right or wrong or better or worse, but our primary task is following Jesus and reminding one another of what the shepherd said and what the shepherd sounds like, and to live our lives in every place, in every space, saying those things and telling others about the shepherd's voice wherever we go. When Jesus said that his sheep will uh, know his voice, I don't believe that he's suggesting that some people know what he sounds like and others don't, as if it's a fatalistic thing. 
It isn't as if recognition of his voice only comes to some certain select people. Um, I don't believe he's saying that. But what I really hear is an invitation in those words. And so while you may be asking, what about me? I mean, would I know Jesus' voice? The invitation is, come and see. Come and hear. Come and listen. Come and learn the shepherd's voice. When I was around four or five uh, years old, I, I went with my dad to Kmart. Y'all even remember Kmart? That, w- that used to be a real store. <clears throat> and in this particular Kmart, they had a pharmacy. It was the fancy kind of Kmart. And so um, you got to the pharmacy by way of, of the clothing uh, section. And so as I was following my dad in, my, my, my dad is six foot four. He was six foot four. And so I was a little, you know, four-year-old and following him into the clothes. I got disoriented. And so I began to look for the pair of jeans that I was following in, because that's all I had in my line of sight was, you know, his pair of, of Wranglers. And, and um, so I finally found them, and I just, you know, relief upon relief, and I ran up, and I just started hugging, and I was hitting him on the rear end, and I was singing this kind of silly song that I used to sing as a kid. And, um, and then I heard my dad's voice calling from across the room. And I realized it wasn't coming from this person whose rear end I was hitting. It, uh, it, but I looked over and my dad was standing at the pharmacy counter with the pharmacist. And they were both looking at me and trying not to laugh. Um, and so, I just, you know, I ran embarrassed and, and angry. I was mad at him and ran to him, and he picked me up. And I'm sure the fact that I remember this story at all says something about some deep trauma that I need to work through. But I just offer it to you to say that knowing the Father's voice often means that when he calls to us, it isn't always joyful. That when he calls to us, he's calling us as we are, just in the embarrassment and the shame, the anger that we hold, all of it. He calls us to come and follow him. You know, we can run to him with those things. And sometimes we have to run to him with anger at him. But it's still good to run to him. Church, it's still safe to run to him. Because in our returning to him and in our following him and going to him, even when things are terribly hard and nothing good seems to be near, what we're actually doing in that moment is we're, we're retuning our hearts. We're kind of dialing in the knobs, so to speak, of the radio so that we can hear him more clearly. We can understand what it is that he's saying. We can know the shepherd's voice. And then he takes all these broken pieces of our lives and he he doesn't just do away with them. He says, yes, this too. Yes, this too. Come and follow me. When I worked in hospice care, I, I visited this lady every couple of weeks who was bed bound and blind. And um, it was always a joy to see her. And she would smile and say, I'm glad you're here. You recognize my voice. And, and most times we would just talk. And at the end of the conversation, I would read scripture and I'd usually sing a song for her. I'd try to sing a song that she remem- or recognized and, and she could sing with me. But usually she would just smile and listen. And uh, one day I, was a- I asked her if there was anything I could do to help, anything more than I was already doing. And, 
and she thought for a moment, and she said to me that one time when her, her daughter visited, that her daughter had brought this little radio that played just the audio Bible. And she said, I would love one of, one of those. And so, of course, I got on Amazon and, and ordered a bunch of them and, and brought one to her the next time I saw her, and she was so happy. Um, one of the last times I visited her, I, I kind of screwed up enough courage to ask her, about her blindness, how, how she had become blind, had she always been blind, and, and she told me no, that she used to be able to see. Uh, but one day, the man that she was married to came home, and he uh, regularly physically beat her. And that day, he came home, and he hit her just so on the head that it knocked her out, and when she woke up, she couldn't see. And I stood there, you know, not really being able to say anything and just kind of silence in that moment. And she said, but I know that I'll see you again one day. How do you think she knew that if not for training her ears and her heart to listen to the voice of the shepherd? How do you think that she knew that? How do you think that she had, had taken that in as a promise to her heart if not for listening to the good shepherd's words and the end of that revelation passage that was so powerful, you know, it will wipe away every tear. You know, it's, it's funny, I've never been um, comf very comfortable with the idea of praying in tongues. I'm certainly not against it, but it isn't something I've ever knowingly done. But every time I, I visited her and ended our visit in prayer, she would pray with me. And, and without fail, her prayers would turn into tongues. To you, uh, to me, it sounded like sort of senseless babbling. But I realized something really more profound. You know, Paul said in Romans that the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray, pray as we really should, but the Spirit kind of helps us with these wordless groans. And, and it was the same with her. I realized that there was no language. There were no words that were strong enough or words that that she contained in her vocabulary that can truly convey her deep longing for Jesus and her deep longing for healing and to see again. And it wasn't some exercise in spiritual piety that she would pray in tongues, but it was the cry of her heart through the Spirit. And I was just so moved in those times. So in, in retuning our, our hearts to hear the Good Shepherd, we consider Jesus' words where he said to and where he said in John chapter 6 that everyone who has heard and learned, it takes choice. You choose to learn. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. See, it isn't, it isn't some fatalistic thing where some are his sheep who hear his voice and, and some aren't, but it requires that choice that once we hear, we also learn Blindness didn't stop my friend from listening and learning, but she tucked that radio up next to her ear on her pillow, and she burned through batteries. I visited her one time, and she's out of batteries. I mean, she burned through them, and she learned, and she was reminded and learned and was reminded again and again of the Father's voice. How are you learning? How are you being reminded? How are you listening and seeking the things of God? Or like these religious leaders, have you stopped up 
your ears in some way? Harden your heart to the truth of who Jesus is. Have you decided that you know more, that you're sufficient in and of yourself, or have you recognized the insufficiency of yourself? Has your anger and bitterness, your hurt and pain caused you to retreat so far from the Father's voice that you no longer hear him when he calls? His invitation is this, come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All who hurt, all who suffer, all who struggle, all who are addicted, all who feel shame, all who are angry, all who are bitter and have been wronged, all who have wronged someone, come to me, listen and learn, and find rest for your souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.